find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be talking about husband hunters and trappers. Want to know what that is? That is one of the dozen dangerous damsels that I defined in my new book called Bad Girls, Why Men Love Them and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets. Now, today you're going to meet Michael, at least that's his name in the book. He is in the Husband, Hunter, and Trapper chapter. (laughs) And um, he will be telling you about how his life has been turned upside down by one of these dams- one of these damsels, the husband and hunter, husband hunter and trapper type. Um, we're going to talk about why he fell for her, what secrets this bad girl used to trap him, and um, uh, let me t- first before before I introduce Michael. Of course, that's not his real name. That's the name that he that I gave him for the book. I interviewed over a hundred men for this book uh, to get their stories of being with bad girls, men who have loved bad girls, dated bad girls, married bad girls, uh, barely survived bad girls. (laughs) And uh, the husband, hunter, and trapper type, you know, for each each of the 12 types, I talk about what does a such-and-such type want. And um, I'll just read you what I have for the husband, hunter, and trapper. A husband, hunter, and trapper wants a man who will provide a house with a white picket fence two children, a dog, the security of being taken care of, and the status of being a married lady. Now, why does a woman want that? Um, Why do people become husband hunters and trappers? I mean, there are, of course, most men would like a husband. Most men, that's good. (laughs) There are men who would like husbands, that's true. Most women would like husbands. But what makes a regular woman who would like to get married someday different from a husband, hunter, and trapper? The difference is that with this type of bad girl and the other types of bad girls, these are women who um, have had dysfunctional relationships with their fathers who have made them feel unlovable. And they then have gone on to date when they grew up. They went on to date men who um, were undoubtedly bad boys and who broke their hearts. And this made them progressively harden their heart and at some point tell themselves, consciously or unconsciously, 
that they are not lovable and that no man is going to love them. So then they become one of these 12 types of bad girls, the gold digger, the addict, and so on. I've, um, I've uh, mentioned the, the list to you before if you've been listening, but um, to, to, to my previous shows about this, but I'll, I'll just go down the list for you. The other types of bad girls are the gold digger, the addict, sex siren, sexual withholder, married woman on the prowl, commitment phobe, husband stealer, ultimate damsel in distress, cougar, ball buster, and bad girl scorned. So what, what do these women have in common besides their ability to trap men, the secrets that they use? Um, what they have in common is this feeling of not being lovable, of having hardened their hearts, and each one goes about trapping a man uh, according to other psychological needs that they have that would make them fall into one of these other types of categories. So the husband hunter and trapper, um, she is a woman who doesn't just want to get married someday, but because she feels so unlovable and that no man will ever love her because of her experiences, first with her father and then with the other men that she dated, she thinks that the only way she's going to get a man is by trapping him. The only way she's going to get a man to marry her is by trapping him. And so um, these women, you know, set about in different ways uh, to trap their men. Um, I, I want to read you one um, little um, oh, quote, in a sense, from or, or uh, dialogue, actually, from Sex in the City that I love, where because I described Char- Charlotte, York, Charlotte York as the woman from, one of the women from Sex in the City as being a husband, hunter, and trapper. Actually, all of the women from that show are bad girls, different categories. So Charlotte, um, of course, manages to trap um, a, what seems like a catch, a, uh, cardiolo- a cardiologist named Dr. Trey McDougall. He's a Park Avenue cardiologist, and he has a mother, Bunny, who has scared off any woman who threatened to take him from her side. So let me read you this little dialogue. Maybe some of you have, remember this particular episode where Charlotte is talking to Carrie and talking about how she proposed to Dr. Trey. And she sa- Charlotte says, I proposed myself. And Carrie says, what? Yes, I suggested he have a tomato salad, and then I suggested we get married. Carrie says, wait, what exactly did he say? All righty. Carrie says, all righty. He said, all righty. Now, I'm thinking the upsetting thing isn't that you proposed. It's that you proposed to a guy that says, all righty. <laughs> and Charlotte says, Oh, Carrie, stop. And Carrie says, all righty. <laughs> so, so that's one example. There are lots of other celebrity examples I'll tell you about later on in the show. But without further ado, I want to get to Michael so that he can tell you about his story. Now, his story I called the oldest trick in the book. And um, this oldest trick is something that uh, is, is frequently on soap operas, um, 
and has become into our national consciousness or unconsciousness um, to, so that women feel that doing this kind of thing is, is just fine. It's become sort of, um, well, we've sort of learned it in a sense from not just soap operas, obviously other stories and movies and the media, the, the um and, of course, history, you know, it isn't just the media that tells us about this, but um, but a lot of the media, particularly soap operas, <coughs> give us the wrong idea about how successful this um, this plan is in terms of trapping a man or in terms of keeping a man once you've trapped him, at least to some degree. So, Michael, now we'll get to you. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for for mainly um, talking to me for a long time, sharing your story. Um, it, was, it has been, and I know you've read the book, Bad Girls, Why Men Love Them, and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets. Um, you know, I, I, weren't you amazed that, um, and probably, it probably made you feel, feel better, that so many um, other men also shared intimate details of their bad girl stories? Indeed, it's nice to know I'm not alone. <laughs> yes, I mean because you shared a lot of intimate details, and and you probably wondered, my God, <laughs> what did I just tell her, and yeah. and you know, what what's going to come of it? Um, but yes, actually, you know, a lot of men were very generous in in talking about these things, and um, and like you, pretty much all the men felt, you know, wanted to go on and on because they really hadn't told this story, their stories uh, about their bad girl experiences to anyone, at least not in any kind of great detail. True, eh? Well, I mean, it definitely felt uh, somewhat therapeutic. I hope this doesn't mean you're going to send me a bill. <laughs> <laughs> no, never. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, uh, no, I enjoyed it. Uh, I mean... Reliving it is uh, is painful, although of course not as painful as having gone through it the, for real the first time. But uh, but I appreciate the opportunity to share the story and hopefully to warn other guys and to and to maybe nudge some of the some of the ladies that might be thinking about doing what what my gal did. Um, you know, to rethink that and maybe do something a little bit different. Yes. Okay. Well, why don't we start? Um, why don't you start telling your story, and, and uh, just like we protected your identity, you also protected the identity of your bad girl, who is called Phoebe in the book. Right. So, well, I was fixed up with uh, Phoebe by a co-worker initially, who, who was a relative of hers. Uh, I was new in the, in, the, in the town that I was then living in, and uh, really didn't know anybody except the folks at work. And uh, so um, I just asked, uh, you know, anybody know a gal I might be able to to have a, a couple of beers with? And, and this fellow recommended his this particular relative of his. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, well, so we'll, that's what we'll do. So uh, I talked to her on the phone. Uh, I wasn't nuts about the where the conversation went it just wasn't anything um uh that i could point to that said i really want to meet this gal but i was new in town and and felt pretty alone so i thought well i'll, I'll meet her anyway 
what else am I going to do on a on a Friday night? So we met uh, at a restaurant downtown, and um, I got to say, I still wasn't terribly interested. Uh, she wasn't terribly attractive. She didn't uh, um, seem too interested in me, just, just talking about herself and her kids that she already had two of. Uh, and when we finally uh, wound up the evening and uh, I thought we were each going to go home, she said she was going to go up to a particular park in the city and uh, just go hang out and look up at the stars. And it's by now 10.30, 11 o'clock at night. And uh, I was raised to be a good boy, and I thought, I can't just let a, a woman go to a dangerous place alone, even though she said, insisted that it was safe. I just, I just didn't think it was the right thing to do. So I volunteered to go with her, and all I wanted to do was, was make sure she was safe while she enjoyed the stars. But uh, she sort of had the body language of... Um, moving closer and closer and and just kind of looking like she wanted to be held and kissed. So I, pretty soon we were hugging and kissing. And uh, I'm grossed out telling about it because I, I still have yet to enjoy anything about this woman. Even even the kissing wasn't that, wasn't pleasurable. Uh but anyway, that finally ended, and and she finally got in her car to go home. And I thought, okay, well, she's safe, and now I get to go home finally. And it's really, really late, so I'm happy that that night is done. Well, lo and behold, uh, a few days later, uh, one of the fellows at work uh, was having a, a dinner party at his house, and uh, pretty much everyone was paired up, either with girlfriends or boyfriends or husbands or wives and I would have been the only single guy and I've done that for so long uh, I just thought well it wouldn't be nice to just have someone with me Uh, whom can I bring Ah, and we'll end on that note because we have to take a break and we'll leave my listeners wondering let's see who could it be (laughs) my guest is Michael at least that's his um name uh, given in my book, Bad Girls, and we'll hear more about his story when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. 
Explore the power and beauty in yourself and in others. Tune in to The Stacy Stern Show, enriching you. Every week, Stacy Stern will connect you with men and women who are living and working from a place of passion. Stacy's guests include successful authors, filmmakers, actors, experts, and leaders. You'll hear what inspires each of them, and you'll be turned on to great films, books, and new media. Tune in to The Stacy Stern Show, enriching you. Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about husband hunters and trappers. They are one of the types, one of the dozen dangerous damsels that I describe in my new book called Bad Girls, Why Men Love Them and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets. My guest today is Michael. At least that's what he is called in the book. And his story is in the Husband, Hunter, and Trapper chapter. And um, we're, we were just started the story about uh, he and Phoebe, also not her real name, but she is the husband, hunter, and trapper, and you are about to see why. So go ahead, Michael. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, so I was about to say, uh, well, gosh, let's see if we can guess who it is that uh, Michael invited to the uh, party so that he wouldn't have to be the only one there single. Right. Of course. It was Phoebe, because she's the only gal I knew at the time whom, uh, whom I could possibly invite. So she eagerly accepted, and there we are at the party, and nothing terribly remarkable happened there. When it was over, it was late. We'd had a few drinks, and my house was closer than hers, or my apartment. And um, so we went back to my apartment and, and uh, ended up, sleeping together. I had no intention of having sex with her. All I wanted to do was for each of us to get a good night's sleep so she could drive home in the morning. Middle of the night, she pounces on me, pawing me on top of me, and I'm thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa. this is weird, but uh, okay. And my body responded, and pretty soon we're having sex. Uh I asked her about birth control. She said she uses a sponge. At that time, I didn't know what a sponge was, but okay. You know, if she's the one getting pregnant or not, so if she said she's protected, then who am I to argue? <laughs> I was having sex. Who am I to argue? <laughs> oh, typical 
overblown teenager guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so overgrown. So, um, so she did not get pregnant that night, but, uh, but that unfortunately started kind of the relationship because, uh, guess what? Once you have intimate sex with someone, there, there's, there's, somehow you're tied together more than, uh, uh, at least, I guess for ladies, this is true more than men. I mean, I gotta say, if I could, I can do that with someone. Uh, okay, we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we all know where you're going. That men can do it and and end it <laughs> with with that night, and women get more attached. Yes. Whoops. Uh, what happened to the audio? Are you with me? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, my cell phone went a little funny. Um, okay. So anyway, uh, so now then now we're seeing each other over and over again. And of course, every time together we're having sex. Um, I keep asking her about this sponge thing and shouldn't I be using a condom? And she says, don't worry about it. I said, what will happen if you get pregnant? She says, don't worry about it. I've already had four or five abortions. And uh, that conversation happened several times, and I thought, well, okay, she keeps saying not to worry about it. It sounds like if she gets pregnant, she'll have an abortion. Let's keep going. So uh, we did, uh, although I still really didn't feel any anything like love for this particular woman. I was seeing another woman on the side. She was seeing another woman, uh, another guy, excuse me, mm-hmm. on the side, and we both knew about each other seeing other people and we were all fine with that we didn't have any commitments so um uh so i was trying to get away so i could be with the other woman who wasn't quite as emotionally volatile as as this one as phoebe um and i think phoebe sensed that and uh unbeknownst to me at the time uh started uh, uh you know when we would have sex she would neglect to put in her uh, sponge I found out later on purpose in order to get pregnant and why did she want to get pregnant of course to trap Michael as a husband right so oh my goodness so finally after about three months of uh, seeing each other and I, I don't know how long she had you know kept from using the sponge but lo and behold she's pregnant so uh, I'm a little bit panicked, but not too bad because she, she told me not to worry about it, and we had talked about abortion. And at that time, I wasn't opposed to abortion as I am now. Hmm. Um, and uh, so I took to see the the, uh, the doc. They do the exam and and you know, consultation, and they say, "Okay, well, that's all we do the first time. We want you to go back and think about it for a week, and then come back. And if you still want an abortion, we'll do it then." And I'm thinking, dang, man, I thought this was going to get done. Um, so it wasn't done. We went back home. We went back a week later. She goes into the office, comes back out, all weepy and teary-eyed and said, I couldn't do it. I can't. I can't. I can't kill your baby. I can't kill your baby. Hmm. Oh, my God. I'm going to have a baby. <laughs> yeah. And this this was after telling her on the first date and many times after that, that I'm just playing the field. I'm not looking to get serious with anyone. And I don't ever want to have kids. And she ignored all of that. Um, I, I'm guessing, and from, from the analysis you did in the book, Dr. Carroll, 
um, that uh, she was just that desperate and needy uh, and figured it's the only way I'm going to get a guy is to trap one. So there we are having a kid. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So uh, anyway, the, uh, uh, let's see. So the, uh, gosh, so she was even more, even more emotionally volatile during her pregnancy. I guess there's hormones that happen. <laughs> and uh, so I still wanted to leave. And, and there was a therapist that we would talk to, <clears throat> excuse me, occasionally, either individually or jointly. Uh, and the therapist kept telling me, look, you've got to leave. You know, she's going to make all kinds of promises, but she's going to break them. So um, you just, you're just going to have to leave. But I'm too much of a people pleaser. I told uh, Phoebe what the therapist had said, and Phoebe started screaming, and, you know, you can't, you can't abandon me. And, you know, so we made a deal that if I stay through childbirth and a couple of weeks after to be sure she's okay, then I could leave. I would never hear from her again, and she would. She promised not to come after me for child support. Oh my gosh! So not yeah, seeing any I, other I way out. Stop you I, for a second. It's it's so interesting, and this is what I found actually with all the men I interviewed for the book. You know, we can hear in your voice that even though this happened, what? How many years ago now was it? Like twelve, ten? Twenty. Oh my gosh, twenty-five years now. It's twenty. She's your. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay, twenty-five years. Um, that your vo- in your voice, you know, there is still the pain, and yes, that's yes. what I heard with all the men that I interviewed. That you know, some of them were st- actually still in the relationship with their bad girl, but some of them it had happened many years ago, and and in talking about it again, um, that same pain, the memories, the painful memories get dredged up, of course. And uh, and it's like you're feeling that all over again, and we can hear how um, how painful, how serious, how what a hard time that was. Yeah, absolutely true, uh, and it is it is hard to talk about. Um, and uh, I mean, I was I was essentially cheated on and lied to, and and of course I even knew then that you know the consequence is a new person's coming into the world who's going to need mm-hmm. to be loved and supported and have a life. And a, I mean, you know, this goes on for a while. This isn't just the one-time thing where she, you know, took my house or something. Mm-hmm. This is a new person that's coming along, and this is going to go on for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, the, and the new person is innocent. You know, they, they, there's, no, there's no blame there. It's, this, is a, this is a perfect human being coming into the world that's going to need to have a life. Right. Uh, so, so yeah, so, uh, anyway, our deal was to, um, uh, that I would stay and go through the Lamaze classes and, and help, help her with, uh, childbirth and then stay a couple weeks and then I'd be scot-free. That was our agreement. We talked about it many, many times and, uh, foolishly, I trusted her again to honor that agreement. So eventually the baby's born, everybody's healthy, uh, thank goodness. Um, I hung around for two weeks. Uh, we went to a concert the final night, and after I took her home, we spent one more night together. And in the morning, when I was starting to leave, she starts panicking again and says, you know, just give us six more months. You'll see, you know. She kept thinking, I think, during the, the whole time that um, 
I would see the baby and uh, and bond, and then want to be with the baby, which then meant want to stay with her. That was part of the trap. So yes. uh, it didn't work. Wonderful as the baby is, the Phoebe was just too. The relationship was too toxic, and all I wanted to do was get away. So uh, I finally tore myself away, and um, uh, she would call me. You talk about that it was that was one of the hardest things that you ever had to do because you were leaving her on the doorstep, and she was crying, and you were crying, and and Uh, exactly, yeah, yeah, and I mean it was terribly. um, painful um, experience to try to get it. I mean, I, I made the mistake. Like, I can just remember walking from her front door of her apartment towards my car, thinking to myself, don't look back, don't look back, don't look back, because if I look back and see her standing there crying, I'm going to break down too. And, of course, I did. Mm-hmm. I snuck a peek, and I, I could barely drive away because I was crying so hard. Mm-hmm. And what was it... Were you, I mean, I guess it was a combination of, one, leaving your baby behind. Yes, right. And, two, um, feeling bad that you were, even though you never really loved her and, and you weren't even attracted to her, and but still it was, you felt really bad about breaking this woman's heart. Correct. Right, exactly right. Uh, you know, I'm I'm hurting another person, even though, to my way of thinking at the time, she was responsible for all this because she's the one who unilaterally decided to get pregnant. Right. Uh, but still, you know, she's in pain, and I'm at least part of the cause, and I, I couldn't stand that feeling. And, yes, of leaving my child. His, this kid's going to grow up without a dad. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's just a horrible thing for me to think about, you know, for anyone to go through, and especially for me to think that I, I have a part in that. Mm-hmm. So, a uh, very, very difficult moment. Um, oh, and I this hear is music. a difficult moment, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's okay. We need to take a break at it. But okay. we will come back with more of Michael's story. And, yes, let's not lose sight that uh, she's a bad girl. She's a husband hunter and trapper. It's because of her defeat, um, well, her underlying neediness to trap a husband and her deceit that put them both into this circumstance. So um, she's really the, the main heartbreaker here. Yes, it was sad what you were doing, but it was all um, a, a convoluted trap set up by Phoebe. So when we come back, we'll talk more with Michael. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. 
If you want to get ahead, you have to stand out from the crowd, the clutter, and the competition. Are you? Tune in each week for Standing Out with Lauren Saunier. Lauren and her guests have the secrets that can help you and your business get noticed, get attention, and achieve your desired results no matter where you're starting from. Standing Out with Lauren Saunier, live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get ready to be a marketing machine. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darlings, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style, every Wednesday afternoon at 2 Pacific, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your teams. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Happy to introduce you to Michael, uh, as he is called in my book, Bad Girls. Um, in the Husband, Hunter, and Trapper chapter, he's been telling us about Phoebe, um, who was was the husband, hunter, and trapper. And we left the story with Phoebe crying in the in the doorway, and um, Michael crying as he drove away, not really having had much choice after Phoebe uh, tricked him or tried and tried to trap him. Um, by by having a baby while she was telling him she was going to get an abortion and before and if if her birth control failed and of course she stopped using birth control because she was trying to trap him, so let's take it from there. Okay, so um, so I cried all the way uh, to work that morning and um, uh, anyway the next uh, few days and weeks were very very difficult but. Uh, one thing that did not help was her was Phoebe calling me periodically and crying and ranting and raving on the phone um, about uh, I have to take responsibility and so on. I'm like I, you know, I want to do something for for our kid, 
or for my child, but uh, and hers, of course. But um, I just can't stand this woman. <laughs> I can't take it. It's just she's just too uh, emotionally volatile. Is the best way I could put it. Uh, so my need to stay away from her at that time trumped uh, you know, my guilt about leaving uh, my child fatherless. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm kind of embarrassed to say that because the child should come first, but I wasn't I wasn't that mature at that time myself. So that's uh, where I was at that time. Uh, then a few years uh, after the kid was born, uh, Phoebe, uh, I guess she got tired of calling me, so she just showed up at my doorstep. And uh, late one night, and you know, banged on the door, and there she is, and she wouldn't leave. I had to call the cops to get her to go away. Basically, that happened a couple of times over the over the few years intervening. Um, so still just... Uh, like drama like crazy, you know, she just create drama out of nothing for every few years. So anyway, that finally settled down after probably five or six years. Uh, the next time I heard from anybody uh, on that side was I got a letter from, from my daughter. Well, wait, but before that, earlier on, um, you had, she did, she did, file for child support and you had right. to go to court and go through um, child custody evaluations and so on and eventually you right. settled that and you did pay her a sum for, for child support and then there was this quiet time. So go ahead. Yeah, you're right about that. The, uh, the order, it was almost right. Uh, uh, you're correct that um, one of the times when she was coming on especially strong trying to get me to, quote, take responsibility... Um, I, I put a letter in her mailbox saying, I'm not coming back to you for anything. I don't care about you. I don't care about the kid. I, you know, just go away. Leave me alone. Um, really trying to establish a boundary once and for all. Well, that didn't work. The next day I had a, a, a subpoena. Someone came to the, where I work and, and handed me a subpoena for child support. So my God, I'm betrayed again. I did everything I had promised and, uh, uh, but, there I am being sued for child support. So a uh, long, drawn-out court battle cost me many, many thousands of dollars. And fortunately, my attorney was able to negotiate a lump sum, which I, I was wonderful because at least then I didn't have to write a check every single month yes. and think about this. Yes. Uh, so it's like, just to make it go away. So X thousand dollars supposedly made it go away. Well, it made it go away until I got the letter from our daughter, and she was at the time nine, and it was just a cute nine-year-old letter saying, you know, hi, and here's a little drawing, and just a little hello letter, and I thought, oh my gosh, well, I have to write back, and so we started having mail correspondence, as in postal mail, email didn't exist at that time, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, um, uh, so we, we wrote back and forth two or three times, but Lo and behold, Phoebe has to interfere again, and uh, and and the letter that comes from that side is from her instead of from our daughter. And she says, "You're doing this all wrong. You can't have a relationship with our daughter until you have a relationship with her mother." Yes, she was um, still trying to trap you. Oh my God! And um, so, 
well, I don't want to have a relationship with her, but we ended up in, in uh, joint counseling, saw a number of different therapists, and um, I'm trying to shorten this a little bit because otherwise mm-hmm. it's an eight-hour conversation. But uh, we ended up in, um, uh, I had to sue to try to get more time with our daughter because she wasn't allowing it, and of course she had 100% control, so I had to turn to the legal system to try to get more time and, and try to start being a dad a little bit late, but better late than never. Mm-hmm. Um, so she put every roadblock up possible. We finally end up at um, uh, a custody evaluation, and uh, that didn't go too well. He sided with her immensely. Uh, anyone that's ever read the, the evaluator's report is like, this is, you know, this is just crazy. Uh, he is so lopsided on her side. It's just, it, it's unbelievable. Uh, but he was the big shot in town. He had done several high-profile cases in the in the state, and it's like, well, what do I do now? So, anyway, I just had my little two hours here and two hours there with our daughter, and for a while it was supervised. And uh, so there is a stranger third party there for no good reason. Um, but that's the way it all uh, it all came down. Apparently, when it comes to to custody evals, in contrast to the Constitution, you're guilty until proven innocent. Yes, I do custody evals, and there are a lot of people who do them who are biased one way or the other from for the mother or the father or the person who's paying them. <laughs> so yes, uh, yeah, in this case, um, the mother and uh, yeah, so. We had supervised visits for a while, and finally we got rid of the super. I was able to get rid of the supervisor and uh, just see her, but still literally it was two hours at a time, and then it, we finally got four hours at a time, you know, like every other weekend or so. It was really, really sparse. But uh, it's all I could do. You know, the legal system is is what it is. So, um, so I'm not sure where to go next. Okay, with so... So it ended up, though, that you got more and more time and you were able to you, be honest with your daughter. I, you asked her, you know, how did she feel about uh, you not being there and you apologized for not being there and explained that um, that you just didn't want to do anything that would hurt her and you weren't quite sure how to, how to negotiate all of this. Um, and then the happy end to the story is that um, that you and your daughter have developed a really wonderful relationship. Uh, fortunately, that's true. Uh, the uh, Phoebe, uh, I, I don't know if it's because she finally got through menopause and her hormones have changed. Uh, of course, our daughter, you know, flew past 18 years of age, so now she's an adult and can take care of herself. So finally, we have uh, at least a cordial relationship Someone from the outside would look at it, and it would it, it almost looked darn like friendly because we tell jokes and laugh with each other when we're together for you know Christmas dinner or something like that. Uh, so now, how has this affected your relationships with women? What has happened in terms of dating women um, after Phoebe? Very good question. Uh, I have much much better radar. Uh, and actually reading about all the different types of bad girls in your book, Dr. Carroll, has, has tuned me up even more because <laughs> I'm sensitive to not just one or two types of 
bad girls, but now I can uh, at least, uh, you know, detect uh, more closer to the to the twelve types you talk about. Uh, so I have much uh, much more finely tuned radar, and uh, I simply don't date anyone if there's any red flag at all. I, I'm not going to date anyone uh, whom I wish were different. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, here, here's here's this person, and I either want to be with her or not. I don't want to be with her if only she were to be X, Y, Z different than she is. Yes, yes, because there were so many red flags now looking yeah. back. Yeah. Right? But you kept, yeah. um, you know, you. I mean, it was kind of, what, did you keep thinking that, I mean, you that she was going to change, or you keep thinking that somehow you'd like her more at some point, or well, in this well, this particular person, I wasn't going to like no matter what. I mean, it just it started off bad, and I, you know, what what brief moments I actually felt love for her were in retrospect sexual moments when guys think they're in love. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely, and that's and of it course ain't true. So. And that's of course one of the secrets that bad girls use. That's for right. all the 12 <laughs> types to uh, to, cap, to to catch and keep their man. That's now, right. I yeah. want to look at um, what, because I talk about this in my book for all these stories, um, and for just the general explaining all the different 12 types and the, 12, and the types of men who are attracted to each of these types of women. Um, let's talk about Phoebe first. What, what was it in her background that caused her to become... Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Time is going so quickly. That caused her to be a bad girl and particularly a husband hunter and trapper. And we will talk about that when we come back. My guest is Michael. <laughs> the topic is husband hunters and trappers. And we'll be back with more of that. Meanwhile, I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 
1111 Talk Radio, because shift happens. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, with Michael, a man who generously shared his story not only in my book, Bad Girls, but also um, is sharing it with us today. And you can hear how hard it is for him to recall, I mean, to, to experience the, the sighing. and the, You can hear in his voice how, how painful it still is to recount this story that actually happened 25 or started <laughs> 25 years ago. Um, and so what, what I talk about in the book and what I'd like you to share now is, you know, what, what it is that makes these women become bad girls, in this case the husband, hunter, and trapper, and what it was in, in your case for why you were attracted to um, such a woman. So go ahead. Tell us about her first. What was in her background that turned her into this? You bet. Uh, well, uh, she had an alcoholic father who uh, she always said was a was a binge drinker. So um, my understanding was that things would be relatively normal for uh, some number of days or weeks in the house she was growing up in, and then Dad would be off. Uh, binging or disappear or get volatile, and then things would settle down again. So apparently she still wanted to do more of that in her life, and, and that's why I said when she was emotionally volatile, I think that's that would, in my in my estimation, that would relate to that, where she's trying to recreate that kind of volatility yes, that she, she was, knew so well when she was a kid. Yes, um, the repetition compulsion. She was compelled to repeat the same kind of volatile atmosphere that she had as a child in an attempt to try to make it come out better. But, of course, it just uh, came out <laughs> as a volatile atmosphere. And, of course, this alcoholic father made her feel as though she was not lovable. No man would want to marry her just because of her, of how lovable and wonderful she was. And so that's why she felt as though she had to trap a man by to get her, him to marry her by by becoming pregnant by lying and making him feel that it's okay to have sex supposedly with a with birth control. I mean, she was supposedly using birth control at the beginning, um, and then and and promising in any case to get an abortion. And then lo and behold, she changed the story once she got pregnant. Now let's talk about you. What made you susceptible? I have in my book in the first chapter the sitting duck test. <laughs> and did you take that? How did you do on that? Uh, yeah, well, definitely, I was a sitting duck, but uh, as we talked about before the break, I, my my radar is a lot better now. Right. <laughs> well, um, 
Yeah. Yes, it's it's um, the sitting duck test is for men to see how vulnerable they are to bad girls, and it has to do with things in their childhood and things in their relationship with their parents and and um, things in their current life and their feelings and their sex life and everything else. So tell us about what it was in your background that made you susceptible to her. Well, uh, my parents weren't weren't uh oh gosh, how should I say we, we none of uh, the four of us kids uh I don't think we were loved in, in ways we we really needed. I don't I don't know that our parents um doing the best they knew how. Uh, this isn't meant to blame them. They just did what they knew how to do. Um but uh there, there was some distance. Uh dad certainly wasn't um, very close emotionally. He'd work long hours. He'd come home, take a nap. We'd have dinner, and then he'd disappear in one corner of the house and get back to work. Um, Mom, uh, you know, was busy trying to take care of four kids, and she was quite a socialite, also. So she'd be, you know, um, uh, having, you know, friends and be distracted that way, um, and uh, so she wasn't available emotionally either so uh, i think i was probably looking for for someone like that whom i could somehow get to love me the way i wanted my mom to love me mm-hmm. um so here's this woman who you know phoebe uh, as far as i can tell doesn't love herself because she wasn't loved you know taken care of well by her dad um and uh and I wasn't interested in her, but she was there, and it's like, I don't know if I can do any better either. And she was probably thinking, well, I don't know if I can do any better, so why don't I trap them? When she was volatile in an amorous or passionate kind of way, it gave you the feeling that that she loved you. Right, exactly. At least I could I could get lost in the sexual, physical experience and feel like I was being loved and then you know that glow goes on for a little while and um, sort of trumps the the real situation which is that we do not belong together yes and then not a good match and then also you talk about um, your brother who um, was essentially was torturing you as a child in various ways and your parents who let him do that um, Because as you later found out, you were an unwanted pregnancy. Your mother had only wanted three children, and then you came along. Yeah, exactly, which was a a shock to me at the time. Although, uh, as you point out in the book, uh, I I think I did know that at some deep level. I just hadn't come up to consciousness at that point. And and, you're right. I I was sort of unwanted. I was certainly unprotected. you know, I don't know what to, what I can say on <laughs> uh, uh, on airline. Let's say poop flows downhill. So you know, my my brother wasn't any better loved than the, than the rest of us as kids by our parents. So he, he he took it out on the only person he could take it out on, which was me. I was the I was the youngest, um, and I was the last of the line. So I didn't have anyone I could take it out on. <laughs> I just spent mm-hmm. spent the rest of my life by then looking for someone to to love me the way I had wanted my mom to love me. Yes, that 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 really uh describes it beautifully and and of course that's that's 
so the case with so many people. You know, we we have these experiences in our background, and it makes us attracted to the wrong people. And the people who are the wrong people, the bad girls, the bad boys, you know, they come from their dysfunctional backgrounds. So the the bottom line to all of this is that parents really need to be so much more aware of how what they're doing um, not only affects their child for the moment, but has long-lasting, leaves long-lasting scars, leaves long-lasting feelings of not being lovable for little boys and little girls. And then we meet as uh, grown-ups and uh, start dating. And, you know, it's no wonder, and, and, and get married in some cases, and it's no wonder that there are so many divorces and uh, and that people are having a harder time than ever finding love. Now, before, um, I want to make sure I have time to get in, even though uh, Michael is not uh, is, is staying anonymous for, for the book and this radio show, um, I can direct you to uh, the work that he's involved with that you may well want to find out about it, about. It's called, you can go to, he's a certified um, health Practitioner, and he is involved, associated with a company called Take Shape for Life. And if you go to the website Five Per Week, which refers to losing five pounds per week, um, you can uh, tell him that you heard him on this radio show. Tell him, <laughs> ask for Michael. <laughs> and again, that's Five Per Week, the number five P E R Week dot com. And thank you all for listening. If you want to find out more about Michael's story and more about all the other stories in the book and the dozen dangerous damsels, um, you can go to a normal bookstore, Barnes & Noble. You can go to Amazon. You can go to my website, which is badgirlsbook.com. Um, and uh, I, I invite you, both for women and for men, uh, I invite you to, to try to... To get the book, to read it, and to be forearmed before you go into the jungle of love. <laughs> so thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.